Thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church for today's message. Our desire is to encourage others to love God, love people, and impact the world. And we would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at fellowshipws.org. Find the Share Your Story button and tell us what God is doing in your life. While you're there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Somebody say a fight for the family. God has, in, 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 uh, he has, he has given us a charge over the next couple of weeks to talk about the very thing. that can give us the, the greatest joy and the greatest pain. Somebody say family. God bless family. I mean, these are the people that can, that, that, these are the people, I just celebrated my little baby girl, her seventh birthday yesterday. And it's just, you know, I'm just recollecting, you know, we brought little Mushi Moo home and the joy is, but, but within the same day, by the time we got home, was fussing out of her something. I don't know what she did. But that's the dichotomy of family. That they can bring you the greatest joy. And because of their proximity to you, they also can cause you the greatest amount of pain. For it's only people who are close to you that can wound you and can cut you. Anybody who's outside the periphery of my circle, they can't hurt me with so much. But it's when you know my know my weaknesses you know my frailties when I let you know the inner recesses of my heart when you know the thing you know my kryptonite and you use my kryptonite against me tell somebody that hurts and so we talked about last week that the devil that God has sanctioned family he loves family so much that he let his son Jesus be born into it God desired a family and so he created Adam and Eve to create a family. But then, but then Adam and Eve got separated from God because of sin. And so God wanted, God so, John 3 and 16 says, for God so loved the world. So I, I translate God so much, God so wanted his family back that he gave his only begotten son. He wanted his family back, so he sold Jesus to get you back. Somebody lift your hand and say, thank the Lord for Jesus. You might say, well, Jesus, Jesus, you know, he, he, he lived a, a single man's life. And so, you know, he never knew what it was like to have children and a wife. But, but God even called him the husband. And the church is the bride. I'm telling y'all, God loves family. It's his priority. We talked about last week that God is not known as the, as the God of Paul, Silas, and Naomi. He's known as the God of, of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. God is the God of lineage. And if God knows the importance of, guess what? Old Slewfoot Saint knows the importance of it too. And when God comes to bless, the devil comes to pervert. He knows that there is a blessing in passing on blessings, favor, and inheritance. So he said, if I could just get in there, it's a godly principle. So I just want to get in it a little bit. See, see the first thing in, in, in Genesis 1 and 26, God told Adam and Eve first to be fruitful. And then the things that you're fruitful about, then I want you to multiply. The devil knows that principle. He said, okay, I want them, they're God-like in nature. And so they're going to always multiply. But if I can just get on the front end of it, and if I can get them to have unfruitful ways and unfruitful nature, then they'll multiply to their children. And then it'll multiply to all generations. And so, grandma might have been loose, but now the grandchildren are three times as loose as grandma was. Oh, granddad had a drinking problem, but now drinking ain't good enough, so now you got to lace your weed with something to get higher. Tell somebody, say, it multiplies. It multiplies. And so the devil knows that. And so we talked about last week how uh, we, we, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And so we have to be mindful, people of God, of our God-like nature to touch our children, to touch our siblings, to touch everybody attached to us and tell somebody it multiplies. We also talked about last week that connections matter, but unified connections matter more. 
I gave an example. Me and my wife have been married 17 years. But we've been our most powerful when we were unified and connected. See, there have been times where we, we, we've been connected, but we haven't been unified. We've been playing tug of war against each other. We were still connected, but we were pulling in opposite directions. But, but, but and we are, and, 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 uh, Psalms 133, it talks about at the end that where God sees unity, he commands a blessing. And so the devil knows that there is a blessing in unity. On the day of Pentecost, when it was truly come, they were in one place, on one accord. And then came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. God sending the Holy Spirit was a response to the unity, the connectedness of the believers in that room. And so with the devil, if I were the devil, and I knew that there was power in unity and connection, what would I do? I would sow discord among people. You see, it's one thing for me to be connected to you, but the people that I'm born of, the people that I have lifelong covenant with, if we are connected, there is nothing that can stop us. Y'all remember the people at the Tower of Babel, don't you? God had to confound their language because he said they were so connected, they were so unified, they became so powerful in their connection that they would have built a tower up to heaven if God had not come and confounded their language. Tell somebody there is power in unity. The devil knows it, but we are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. We don't have knowledge of the power of our own unity in our own families. And that's the reason the devil fights us. That's the reason he's coming against us because he knows if I can just keep you, you can be saved, sanctified. You can, you can turn the pages of your Bible till it turns rusty. You can do all that stuff. But if I can keep you from being unified, you will never do nothing for God's kingdom and you'll never do damage to mine. But tell somebody, we're going to get unified. And we're going to fight for the family. This week on Tuesday night, how many of you were here Tuesday night? We started with these, and, 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 and we, we, do we have some more? We'll get some, somebody get some. We've been writing our prayer requests regarding our family. And we've been placing them here on the altar, and we've been praying for them. We'll get some to you. Uh, or, or give, give somebody a piece of paper. We don't have to be on this form. But we've been coming out here on Tuesdays and we've been bombarding heaven. And I don't know about y'all, but something shifted on Tuesday night. There was a different sound in this room, a sound of expectation, a sound of a war cry that we were fighting for our families. Tell somebody you have to fight for your family. The devil's not going to give it up easy. Matter of fact, he has a sense of entitlement thinking, hey, you've been letting me have all my way all this time. So we're going to have to go into his backyard, punch him in the face, and take our families back. So I'm putting the plug in right now. If you're serious about fighting for your family, we come, we come out here and we're going to war in the heavenly. See, you can war at home, but it's something about the corporate collective gathering of God's people. That tell the devil enough is enough. You will touch my family no further. You will back up in the name of Jesus. So we want you to come out on Tuesday. But I want you to turn with me to the word of God. Joshua 1 and 7. Last week we talked about the spirit of God and what God wants to do in us and through our lives. And what the devil desires and wants to do in us and through the lives of our, our children and our everybody attached to us but we're going to talk about our part in the battle tell somebody you have a part in the battle you have a role and you have a part in the battle one of my favorite scriptures in all the world is Ephesians 3 and, 10, 3 and 20 now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think but it's what y'all according to the power that works in us God wants to do magnificent things in your life, but tell somebody it's according to the power. It's according to the power, meaning you literally regulate the flow of God on operation in your life. And if we're going to fight, it's not about God sending angels with flaming swords to fight on, our, fight on our behalf. God will do that. But I believe that God is a responsive God. And if we do things, if we declare a thing, then we give our angels a, a, a right to get involved in our affairs. You have to understand, God gave us dominion. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You see the order? You see the correlation? And whatever you bind on earth is bind in heaven. The word didn't say whatever is loosed in heaven is then loosed in earth. Meaning something first has to be declared, spoken, or done in the earth realm before 
it is released in heaven. I'm preaching good. <laughs> I'm preaching real good. Tell somebody, you got to release something in this earth and heaven will echo whatever you release or bind. Come on, y'all. I ain't making that up. That's the word. Heaven is going to mimic whatever you do. If you loose it, it'll be loose. If you bind it, it'll be bound. So you need to start using your loosening and your binding power. Joshua 1 and 7 says this. Only be strong. God is talking to Joshua. This is God's pep talk to Joshua before he took over uh, the kingdom of Israel. He told him, Moses, my servant, is dead. You no longer are going to be hiding under his shadow. And in 7, he says, only be strong, Joshua, and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all that which is written in the law, my, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the left or the right so that you may have success wherever you go. Tell somebody to be strong and be very courageous. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles 32 and 7. For the sake of time, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, be strong and courageous. Y'all see that again? Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of the horde that is with him. For, for the one with us is greater than the one that is with him. Tell somebody, we are with the greater one. The greater one is with us. There is no need to fear. My topic today is you can't run from it. Tell somebody you can't run from it. I don't care. You see that tornado? If that thing coming down the street, there is no way you can run from it. It's faster than you ever could run. And there are things in our lives, people of God, that we've been trying to outrun rather than turning around and facing it as it pertains to our family. Tell somebody, you can't outrun it. So you might as well fight it. You can't fight that tornado behind you. You go to the seat shelter. But as it pertains, there is something you can do rather than run from the issues that have been plaguing your life. Tell somebody you can stand and fight. You may be seated. Tell somebody be strong and courageous. See, there, 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 was a, there was a difference between just being courageous and just being strong. The word God was telling him, I need you to be strong and courageous. Courageous is a matter of your heart and your mentality. Strength is, strong is, is a matter of your physical prowess and your ability to hold on in your will. Tell somebody to be strong and courageous. And the reason I'm saying this is going to make sense when I'm finished. So give me a couple of minutes and we'll be done. It's going to take strength and courage, people of God. I want you to listen to me very carefully. It's going to take strength and courage to face some of the things that are in our family. It'd be easier to ignore it. It'd be easier to be religious about it. It'd be easier to put it in God's lap and say, God, when you, you see this, when you're ready for it to be done, Lord, you'll come and fix it. But we just agreed and clapped our hands and did all that stuff with each other. Whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever is bound on earth is going to be bound in heaven. So tell somebody, you've got to do your part. We're not going to go over the whole story, but in Genesis, about the second story of any family strife, the first story of family strife is Cain and Abel. But the next one are two brothers who were fighting in the womb. Tell somebody, tell somebody there was some fighting brothers. But they was fighting in the womb. They were going with each other. One was holding the other ankle when they tried fighting to be the first one born. 
Anybody has, ever had some children like that? Fight like Tom and Jerry. Just fight for fighting's sake. But Jacob and Esau, they were the sons of Isaac. They were the grandsons of Abraham. Remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, guess what, y'all? As much as people say that, it really should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. You know why? Because Jacob, he did two things. One day, Esau was hungry. He had came in and he was very hungry. And Jacob was very wise and very cunning, like his mother. He said, you hungry? He said, yeah, man. He said, man, I got a bowl of soup over here, which is the best thing you ever tasted. You going to? He said, man, I sure am hungry. I sure am hungry. I said, he, said, he said, okay, I'm going to tell you how hungry you are. Give me your birthright, because Esau was born first. See, with the birthright came the rights, the privileges to inherit and to, and, and to be endowed with all the good things that the father had for him. He had first dibs on everything. As one would say, well, well you know, that, that's just dumb Esau's problem. I mean, you, are you that hungry? Are you that hungry that you would give away your birthright? So, you know, tell somebody, we're going to put that one on Esau. He was just greedy. Just greedy and lost perspective. That, that, now that will preach all on itself. We're going to get there today. But the next time, Esau had a right to be a little bit upset. Because Esau went out hunting. And they knew that Isaac, their father, his life was about to go out. His eyes were getting dim and he was in the process of leaving this earth. And their mother conspired with them. Said, what I want you to do, I want you to put some fur on. You have to understand Esau was a furry person. He said, I want you to put some fur on. And I want you to wipe some blood and some stuff so you smell like you've been out there in the woods. Because see, Isaac was blind. He could, he could barely see at that point. And then they, they snuck, and then, and then he made some noise at the door, and, I, and Isaac said, uh, uh, Esau, son, is that you? And Jacob said, yes, father, it's, it, it's me. He said, come, come, come close so I, can, so I can give you out my, out my blessing. And he tricked his father. And to get in the blessing. You know the blessing of Abraham. And then he got the blessing of his father, went about his way. And then Esau came in. He said, Father, Father, I need the blessing before you leave. He said, I can't give you the blessing. He said, Oh God, what have I done? He said, I've already given the blessing to your brother Jacob. He tricked me. And Esau got mad, y'all. Have you ever got mad when somebody did you wrong? We ever got mad when family did you wrong? Knew your weaknesses and use your weakness against you. Anybody ever been there? You get mad, can fry an egg on your head. <laughs> and Esau was so mad, he said, I'm going to kill him. Jacob knew what he did. And Jacob hightailed it out of there. Tell somebody he fled. He was on the run. And he ended up running into his uncle Laban. Look at this, y'all. Had the blessing, but was on the run. See, the blessing is the blessing. It was still in operation in his life. I, we can't go into it, but when he was with his uncle Laban, Laban, he was so blessed. Laban didn't even want him to leave because all the crops, all the animals, they were in drought and his farm and everything attached to it was the only one that was prospering. Tell somebody the blessing was in operation. But guess what, y'all? He was wrong as two left shoes. He was in the era and the blessing was still in operation. What does that tell us? That tells us that we can still enjoy the blessings of the Lord and still be in error. Hmm. See, I'm, I'm, I'm attacking this twisted logic that we think about. Well, if the Lord, if I was truly in, if I was truly in right standing, if I was truly, if, if you know, if I was walking wrong, how is it I'm still blessed? Hmm. See, he reigns on the just as well as the unjust. 
Don't think because you got a little, you got some, you got a little more than lint in your pocket. Just because, don't think because you got a nice piece of car to crank up. Don't think, don't confuse God's blessings with his approval. That was worth the trip over here, Sister Robert. Don't you bless God's blessings with his approval. He was in error. And yet and still, the blessing was still in operation. He was blessed and on the run. Let me tell you why he still could not walk fully in the blessing. Because guess what, y'all? He couldn't come home. I don't care what people treat you like in the world. They can treat you like a dog. They can treat you like a maggot. They can treat you like gum on the bottom of their shoe. But everybody should be able to come home. So what good, what, what good is it going to profit a man to gain the whole world and you can't even come home? You can't come to a safe place. You can't come to a sanctuary. You can't come to a place where, 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 where you can lay your hair down and you, don't, and you can lay your sword and you can lay your shield down to go home for him, meaning that he was going to have to fight to go home. So many people they quantify that they're living a good life by the American dream. I got a house with a white picket fence. I got 2.3 kids and a dog. I don't know where they got the 2.3 kids from. And we think just because we have substance. But what profit a man to gain the whole world? And lose his soul. Lose his mind, his will, and his emotions. What good does it do you if you can't come home? And as blessed as Jacob was, he had a fear of going home. But at some point, y'all, he was running. And he went to sleep one night, laid his head on a rock. And he got visited by God. He saw a portal from heaven. He saw a ladder where angels were going up and angels were coming down. And then he saw an angel, a man, and he started wrestling with him. He started wrestling with that man. And, 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 and he found out it was an angel, which was a representation of God. And the words God said, he wrestled with it. He wouldn't let go. And the angel said, let me go. I can't be here. But when the sun comes up, I got to go. He said, I'm not going. I'm not. Even though I'm, I'm a holder of the blessing, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. He, 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 he separated and dislocated his hip. And he still wouldn't let go. Finally, the angel got up. He said, what is your name? He knew his name was Jacob. He wanted him to acknowledge his nature. See, your nature is your name. He was really asking rhetorically, what is your nature? He said, my name is Jacob. I'm the supplanter. I'm the trickster. He said, because you have fought with man... And God, I am changing your name, which is the changing, which is the augmenting, which is the transformation of your name. I'm going to change your nature. You will no longer be Jacob, but I'm changing your name to Israel because you have warred with God and man. He said, you've been fighting. You're born a fighter, but you're fighting the wrong thing. And then Jacob made up his mind. He said, you know what? I'm going to go home now. Tell somebody you can come home. But him coming home meant that he was going to have to face. He didn't know what he didn't see. You know, the last time he saw his brother, his brother was angry and was chasing him. And he made a decision that it would be better to go home and face the consequences of what I've done than to be on the run and can't go home. Can I tell you something, people of God, today? There was an opportunity for you to come home. Some of you are laying in, bed, laying in bed beside your spouse every day, but you're not home. You're present, but you are unaccounted for. Some of you deal with, with your fellow siblings and, and with your parents. You talk to them every day and you do the southern natural thing and you give them, you give them the due respect, but you are not home. Tell somebody you can come home. 
but it's going to require that you stop running and that you're going to have to face some things. I want to, I'm going to leave four things with you and then we'll be ready to go. Is anybody getting anything out of this so far? Tell somebody, stop running. The first thing, people of God, we have to do, we have to stop being in denial. Somebody say denial. So many times as Christians, as church people, we're so used to saying, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. I'm, yeah, and all that stuff. We should say that stuff. But we don't say it at the, at the expense of denial. Sometimes confession is good for the soul. We need to say, you know, I'm hurting. I've got this issue. I've got this thing that is plaguing my heart and it's stopping me from going further in God. Tell somebody to thine own self be true. That ain't scripture, but it's showing sure up the truth. To your own self, lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. Don't be in denial. Don't be in denial. Admit that this is a problem. Admit that this is an issue. Admit that something happened in 1973 is still plaguing me today. Just like a good physician. A bad physician would start, when you describe to him what's going on, a bad physician would, would start prescribing, well, take some amoxicillin and take some penicillin and take uh, Lipitor and stuff. Like, man, don't you got to do some tests and identify? Anybody go, well, just take this bag of stuff. <laughs> like, man, you better go somewhere. We need to do some tests. We need to do some scans. We need, can we at least get some blood work up in this piece? Now, you, ain't, you ain't just going to tell me, oh, yeah, it sounds like, sh- sh- scribble your chicken scratch. No, 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 no. A, a prudent, wise doctor goes through a, 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 a series of listening first to the patient Okay, we sound like what's going on. I think there, it narrows down to a couple of things, but let's get some blood work. Let's do some scans. Let's do some things. Let's do a couple of tests so we first can acknowledge and identify what the possible problem is. And once we identify it, now we can have a prescription to cure what is wrong. Could it be possible that we've been trying to cure things to which we have not identified? Because to identify it means to, means to give power to it. And so many times we want to live in this, this veiled stupor that if I ignore it, it doesn't exist. I want you to write this down. Denial does not nullify existence. It doesn't. You can deny it all you want to. I can say all day, you know, uh, and you know, some people just crazy like this. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, a, you know, I, I just felt like this. I had an epiphany. You know, I'm no longer a black man. I'm an Asian woman. I started acting like it, doing my, you know, doing my hair, putting, putting a nice, you know, traditional cultural garb on. You know, get my little feet bounded up and start doing all I, I can do all that stuff. But my denial doesn't change the existence. Oh, I'm not hurt. Oh, I'm doing this. But every, you say it with your mouth, but, you, but the way you respond to relationships, the way you respond when you get under pressure, everything says that you're in denial in your mind, but in existence, it is yet still real. See, you understand, when when he gets turned up, Brother Jonathan, when he gets turned up, the real thing, what comes in, comes out. You don't believe it? Be walking around the house when it's dark and stump your toe. Whatever is inside you. Tell somebody, it's coming out. Woo! I stumped my toe the other way. I spoke into him. I said, Lord, I know I'm saved. I said, he's shot tired of both. See? Tim said, what's wrong? I said, honey, I hit my toe. Whatever was in me came out. 
But when you when, when there is intense pain to which you cannot control, heat and pressure will show you what's in you. You can be in denial that I'm not hurt. Girl, sticks and stones will break my bone, but that's a lie. Words will hurt you to the core. The word of God said words are spirit. It ain't just about the word of God. Words are spirit. The people told you when you were young, you were, you were dumb, you were ignorant, you never be nothing, you'll be just like your daddy. It's time to get out of our place of denial. Let denial be just a river in the Amazon. You need to get out of denial and admit that God, this thing has been plaguing my life. God said, as soon as you're willing to acknowledge it, I can start fixing it. But as long as you're in denial, God can do nothing. And then there are some of us who we acknowledge it, but then we avoid it. I know it exists, but I'm going to keep putting dirt over it. I talk to you every day knowing that there is a deep seed of, 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 of offense and grief. Of something that you did to me. So, but I'm a fake the funk. Because that's the southern and that's the Christian thing to do. And it is, and it, and it is like kudzu wrapping its tentacles around your heart. And it's smothering your ability to believe. I want you to write this down. The absence of chaos does not create the presence of peace. A lot of times we avoid things to create a semblance of peace. I don't want no dust to be kicked up. And I don't want to ruffle no feathers. And I don't want to do this. When we said last last week that Jesus, when he was given the Beatitudes, he didn't say blessed is the peacekeeper. He said blessed is the, I know I'm country, so I said blessed. Blessed is the peacemaker. Y'all can laugh at myself. Y'all can laugh. He didn't say blessed is the peacekeeper. He said blessed is the peacemaker. And sometimes, just like surgery, it's going to hurt before it gets better. But tell somebody, you got to stop running. Part of your stoppage of your running means that you're going to have to have difficult conversations with difficult people. You're going to have to come out of a state of denial and you're going to have to call a spade a spade and talk about difficult things. For some of you, you may have to encounter some people who offended you. For others in this room, you may be the offending party and you're going to have to say, look, I know what I did was wrong and I'm sorry. I apologize. I wasn't there when I should have been. There were things I said that I shouldn't have said. I'm glad you're quiet because the word is getting you. It's meeting you where you are. I'm talking about if we're truly going to be free. But we must acknowledge the truth. I was telling my wife this and we were riding down the highway. People love to quote, The truth should set you free. But they misquote and they misapply the word. The word says that you shall know the truth. And it's the truth that you know that's going to set you free. What does it mean to know the truth? In biblical terms, when they say somebody knew, when they say that man knew her, that meant he knew her intimately. And the word of God says, you shall know the truth. Not just be aware of it, but you shall know the truth. And the truth that you know, the truth that you become intimately aware of and involved with, the truth that you know is the truth that is going to set you free. See, many of us, we are aware of some truths in our lives, but we haven't become intimately aware of it. We haven't become intimately involved with that truth, and so therefore we can't be, tr- we can't be changed by a truth that we don't know. But tell somebody, you got to know the truth. 
And then it's going to set you free. But we can't avoid it any longer, y'all. We can no longer avoid it. Your avoidance is you running. See, Jacob was blessed, but his relationship was dysfunctional with his brother. And so many times in our lives, we've settled for dysfunction. Dysfunction still can function, but it's dysfunctioning. If you get a flat tire, you can, you can put that donut, donut on it and the car will still roll. You ever seen people that keep that donut on for two months? I'm like, boy, you pressing your luck. And we'll go over 35 miles an hour, too. I said the thing clearly says don't go over 35. It's functioning, but it's dysfunctioning. That's not the way it's intended to work. And y'all know so many times, I ain't going to say the word, we can rig some stuff. Just so it works. We can rig some stuff just so it works. But tell somebody, we, we, we can no longer settle with dysfunction. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, make, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So many, so many times we settle just for the life. But Jesus came for the abundant life. And we will accept such low levels of function. Would you rather have a heart that pumps at 25% capacity? Well, still, I still got a blood running warm in my veins. You're crazy. Why would you settle on that? If God can give you a fuller restore, y'all see what I'm saying? It's still functioning, but it's dysfunctioning. Abnormal still has some normalcy to it. Oh, God. Am I talking in riddles? But the devil is a deceiver, y'all. He will, he will deceive us to accepting small and low and dysfunctioning levels of relationship, love, marriage, family, everything. But God said that we can have it all. Everything that, is, that, that, that concerns us is supposed to be blessed. He said, I wish above all that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Could it be that Peter, could it be that we're soul poor? And as a result of us being soul poor, the rest of our life is poor. Is our life a reflection of our soul? Are we soul poor? Because we got things that are plaguing our heart and plaguing our mind that we don't want to deal with. Tell somebody, I'm gonna get well. We don't have to be soul sick anymore. going to take you to stop running and face it head on I want you to write this down I went past this but I wanted you to at least get this your dysfunction may not stop you but it will distort you it will you know If I, if, I, if I got a gimpy leg, that's a dysfunction of, of my leg and my body. I still can get forward, but it distorts. See how it distorts? It, 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 it distorts how I walk. It, it can distort how I'm going to function. And we can't settle with dysfunction just because we still, you know, at the end of the day, we survived the day. But it was dysfunctional. Thank the Lord we still married all these years. Well, you only liked each other for three of them. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all this now. That woman I've been married to 17 years, I love her. But I also like her. It's plenty of people that love each other but don't like each other. 
used to accuse us all the time. She used to work downtown and I did too. Y'all always together. Well, I got, I got married to be with the woman. I like her. I'm sorry if you didn't marry somebody you didn't like. That's, I'm sorry. But I like her. You like me too, baby? Thank you. I like her. I like her company. I like being with her. I'm a better person when she's around. You see what I'm saying? And so many times we, we, we tolerate these levels of dysfunction. And just because we, we completed the day and we had another year of marriage and, you know, and we ain't, you know, you know, the barometer of success is that we didn't kill each other. We didn't fuss today. And that's a win. Y'all, that's dysfunctional. That is like crucifying Jesus all over again. He died that we might have life and life more abundantly. And we shouldn't settle for lower levels of dysfunction. One of the last things I'm going to share with you is acknowledgement. Somebody say acknowledgement. And this... The dysfunction that I'm currently either suffering from or, or involved with or that's plaguing my life. What part did I play in my dysfunctional relationship? See, we love to put it on what they did. But what part did I play in my dysfunctional relationship and what is the thing that only I can do to repair it? See, that, that, see that, this is the part where it starts coming home. Maybe somebody didn't do something to you. Maybe somebody did something you were the victim initially. But what did you do that kept perpetuating it? You see what I'm saying? You may not be in the initial culprit, but are you keeping the life of dysfunction going? So I want you to write that down and I want you to be praying over that. And maybe God is showing you right now. What part did you play in the dysfunction that you're involved in? Because trust, you do, you do play a part. Come on, smile at somebody and tell them, tell them said, you do play a part. It may be 80, 20, it may be 60, 60, 40, but you got you, it's, it's some of your seasoning in the gumbo. You are adding on some level to the dysfunction. So if you have a part to play in the inception, in the life of dysfunction, you also have a part to play in its repair. And there is, there is an ingredient that you add. You know how some things that you read on the back of bottles, there are all these other ingredients, and then there is the active ingredient. It's, the active ingredient is the one that allows all the other ones to, to, to emulsify and get together and work as a team. There is, I believe that you are the active ingredient to solve the dysfunction that is plaguing your life. But first we had to acknowledge our part in creating the dysfunction. Is this helping anybody today? Now we're talking about fighting for the family. And we're talking about just putting some eye black on and going out like Rambo and fighting external. We're talking about internal enemies. You know, me and my wife, we were talking about the other day that, you know, that the, uh, the president and people that, that, that take the oath of office, they, 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 they pledge to, to fight. Uh, fight uh, enemies both foreign and domestic. Anybody ever took that oath in the military people in here? To fight, fight enemies both, both foreign and domestic. Last week we were talking about a lot of foreign enemies. This time we're talking about enemies who are in the house. The domestic enemies. Our, our, our stubborn ways. Our pride. Our unwillingness to lay down and be wrong. Sometimes it's better to seek peace than to be right, y'all. And I'm preaching to myself because I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm competitive, especially when we're debating something. I go for blood. 
And I want to pulverize you to know that I won. I'm just telling the truth. I'm a debater. But sometimes winning, it, what good is it for me to win and we lose as a family? You can, you can, you can win the battle and lose the war. I hope I'm not just rambling today, y'all. I'm going to leave this one thing, these last two things, which we're going to go. You cannot address what you are unwilling to identify. And you cannot overcome what you will not face. It's one thing to identify it, but then you got to face it. You can't overcome it. I've got to be facing you. I've got to come towards you. And that may be a clash of wills. It may be a clash of opinions. It may be a clash of ideologies. It may be a clash of perceptions. How many know the two, two different people can look at the same thing and get two different perceptions? But you cannot address what you're unwilling to identify. And you cannot overcome what you will not face. Last thing I'm going to leave with you. We talked about denial. We talked about avoidance. We talked about acknowledgement. The last thing I'm going to leave with you is pursuit. Somebody say pursuit. pursuit. Psalms 34 and 14 says this. He says, depart from evil and do good. Tell somebody, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. And when you see it, I want you to pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. That means that when I'm chasing, that literally means that wherever peace is, I am intentionally walking after it and I'm trying to find it. If I thought it was here and it moved, I'm pursuing it. I'm looking for the clues as to the next place where it is. We must stop running. Everybody standing to your feet. I pray that this message today touched your life. I hope that it challenged you. I hope that it has provoked you to action. By the show of, show of hands, how many have something to do that's going to be a challenge and, and it's hard? How many have something to do that you've been avoiding? Keep your hands up in the air. How many have been in denial about some things that you have to do? Thank you for your honesty. Now, let's join hands and let's pray for each other. Because just about everybody in this room has something that they have to address. Everybody in this room has a conversation that they're going to have to have. Everybody in this room has something that they're going to have to do. And so that's the reason I read the first scripture, Joshua 1 and 7, that says this. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law of the word that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it on the left or right. I believe that God has given people instructions while I was up here. To, while I was up here speaking, do not deviate left or right. There are some things that only you can do. There was a part that you played in the dysfunctional relationship, but there was a only a part, man and woman of God. I don't care how saved you are, just because the fact that you've been blessed with a reasonable portion of health and strength as a little bit of bank of money in the bank does not mean that you are walking in the full measure of where God wants you to be God says you have to stop running stop avoiding stop being in denial you have to acknowledge your part in it and then the last thing
sticky toes to you. I want you, once you got it sized up what you need to do, I need you to pursue it. And my prayer today is that we leave with the spirit of insatiable pursuit. That I'm not going to be at peace. I'm not going to be at ease until I create the peace that I'm after. And that may mean I may have to eat some crow. That may mean I have to sit down with some people and tell them I apologize. Not that I'm sorry. I'm apologizing. That's me some things I'm going to have to admit that I did wrong. But I, my prayer today is that you leave with a spirit of pursuit to get it right. Don't settle for diminished peace. There was a peace that passes all understanding. And that's the peace that we are entitled to. But we cannot dwell in that place of peace unless we pursue that place of peace. Can you right now begin to pray for your neighbor? Come on, audibly, let them hear you praying for them. You don't, know how, you don't have to know the finite details of their issues, but you do know by the signification of the lifting of our hands that everybody, that everybody in this room has a thing that they have to pursue. Come on, begin to pray for that neighbor. Pray that they be strong and that they be courageous. Pray that they be strong. Only be strong and courageous. Only be strong. Do what only you can do. Say what only you can say. Provide what only you can Forget about their part of it. Do your part. You be the bigger person. You do what's right. If they never say I'm sorry back, do what you're supposed to do. Set it in order. Pursue the peace. Pursue the peace. Are you praying? Are you praying? somebody else you can't run from it you can't run from it brother it's time to make it right this is how we're going to fight we're going to fight from within for our families it's not always the devil external factors it's not always the ex-boyfriend it's not always the ex-husband it's not always all these ancillary things sometimes the enemy is in me so we thank you Lord for facing our Goliaths
to say what we need to say. No, we're not going to say, oh, Lord, thank you, Lord, for letting them feel my love. No, no, no. We're going to go and we're going to confess. It is with the confession. It's with confession. And the same way, people of God, that when Jacob met Esau, he was able to kiss and hug him. He wasn't even mad about it any longer. When you go and you face what and who you need to face, God said there's going to be so much supernatural peace there. You're going to wonder, why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? God, we thank you for your people today who have gathered and heard the word of the Lord today. We thank you, Lord, how your word has found us. We thank you, Lord, how your word has corrected us. We thank you, Lord, how, you, how your word has shown a mirror on our lives and our souls, Lord. But today, God, Lord, we purpose in our mind, God, that we're no longer going to be in denial. We're no longer going to shun and we're no longer going to turn a blind eye to the issues. But God, we're going to face it. We're going to confront, we're going to acknowledge it, and we're going to confront it, and we're going to pursue. We're not going to be adversarial, God, but we're going to come with love, like honey on our lips, God. And we're going to do what only we can do, so that you can do only what you can do. We thank you, Lord, today, the Lord, as we are obedient and we pursue the peace. God, you're going to supernaturally cause hearts to be melted together again. Years of strife and years of discord are going to melt away. We're going to be like people as if we dreamed a dream. And we will wake up in the new reality of this peace that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, that you give, let us only be strong and courageous. Lord, there are options to be fearful, to be apprehensive, to be, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to have uh, 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 waywardness in our minds. But Lord, we are going to choose to be only be strong and courageous today. But Lord, as we step out on faith, not knowing how the response is going to be. Lord, we know that faith moves mountains. And some of us in our families have mighty big mountains. We thank you, Lord, for shifting. Lord, you don't need our help. You need our obedience. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that as we are obedient and we step out, God, that the healing balm of reconciliation begins to flow on God's people. God, we thank you that you would count us so worthy to come and speak to us so simply, yet so profoundly. And we thank you, Lord, that as we leave this place as doers of your word, that we're gonna, we're gonna hear about testimonies of family hurts being healed. That big chasms that have been in between sons and daughters and fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and cousins and all those things, all those things, God. But we thank you, Lord, that even as we're about to convene with family, even tomorrow, God, we thank you even now that you give opportunities for us to have hard conversations over a hot dog and over a hamburger. Lord, that you give us opportunities, God. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Thank you for tuning in today with Fellowship Church. We pray that you were blessed by the message. And we would like to connect with you through our website, 
thefellowshipws.org or facebook.com slash at the fellowship. If you are ever in the greater triad area, we would love for you to be our VIP for weekend worship experience on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. On behalf of Pastor Tony and the Fellowship family, thank you again for joining us. And remember to love God, love people, and impact the world.